Welcome to Taste of Recovery. So now you've accepted that you may have this phenomenon of craving, this powerlessness, this property of eating that uh, it prevents you from being able to choose what food to eat correctly at, the cer- at a certain time. So let's take a look at this. Now, how do we choose what the right foods are to eat? What I used to do was I used to you, you know, wait until I felt hungry, and then when I felt hungry, I ate the most convenient thing that was available. What I found myself was instead of trying to make the right choice on the fly because I had lost the power of choice, I had to make a plan and get started with it at the beginning of the day. Now, let's just go over this. A lot of people forget that you that you, you, you can't choose. I mean, if you can choose, if you can choose to uh, eat the right thing, if you have that ability to choose, then just choose it. You don't need the 12 steps. You don't need to be listening to this. You just go and choose it and do the right thing. You don't need all this stuff that, you, that you're listening to now. You don't need any, any books or nothing. You just choose the right thing. But if you cannot choose, if you've lost the power of choice, and I'm not talking about the power of choice over the second or the third bite. I'm talking about the very first bite. You've lost the power of choice over eating something that's not healthy. You've lost that power of choice. Then you have to do something to plan out your eating because you're not going to be able to 100% of the time stick to whatever it is that you think is right. Now, the the big book talks about this losing the power of choice on page 24, and it talks about the phenomenon of craving in the doctor's opinion. The analogy with the alcoholics is useful for thinking about the food uh, problem. Uh, so I definitely I recommend that you take a look at that and see if um, if it if you feel like it applies to you. But the bottom line is can you choose? Can you 100% of the time choose what you want to do? If you can't, then you might need to to make some preparations. Now, the big book says in the doctor's opinion for alcoholics, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, meaning no alcohol at all. But for us in the food world, we can't obviously avoid all food. What we're talking about is recreational food, food for entertainment, especially any food that might cause this phenomenon of craving to kick in. Now, uh, there's some scientific studies that have shown that pizza and chocolate are the number one and number two most uh, addictive foods. And there's a University of Michigan uh, study, um, I forgot what year it was, but uh, you can look up the studies about what the most addictive foods are. So anything that's addictive, obviously, you want to avoid that, and you can tell, basically, can you control what you eat? If you can't control it 100% of the time, then it might be something you want to put, you know, keep out of your food plan. So the point of it is that abstinence means that we uh, do not eat at all anything that might cause this phenomenon of craving to kick in. So now the question becomes, how do I know what to put in my food plan? Now, we don't want a diet, right? A diet is just going to be we're going to get thin and then we're going to quit the diet because the diets are temporary. A food plan is a lifetime thing. What's going to be in my lifetime food plan? It doesn't mean you can't adjust it. It just means that, that, this is, that what you write down on this uh, food plan is going to be what you eat all the time for the rest of your life. So instead of I'm going to diet, uh, I'm going to start dieting tomorrow, you say, no, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to you know, binge tomorrow, but today I'm going to stick to it. So who can I trust to make up this food plan? In the 12-step programs, we use the sponsor concept, someone who used to be fat and is thin now. If they never used to be fat, how the hell are they going to help you get thin? If they're not thin now, how can you trust that they know how to get thin? It's got to be somebody who used to be fat and is thin now. And, of course, it has to be somebody who's kept the weight off over a long period of time. Um, 
you know, if they haven't, if they just lost the weight, lots of people have lost the weight and, 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 you know, kept it off for a short time. Have they lost the weight and kept it off for a long time, in your opinion, a long time? And of course, the most important thing is, since our goal is to become neutral about food, are they neutral about food? Are they very comfortable with it? Do they not think about food anymore? Is it no longer a, a problem for them? Has the problem been removed? That is a, a sponsor. This person should be able to give you the spiritual things that you need, the frame of mind, the thinking process, but the feeling process too, that goes behind staying motivated on this food plan and building the food plan. So talk to your sponsor. The other thing is a medical doctor. Now there are some uh, sponsors out there that say, don't talk to your medical doctor, I'll tell you what to eat. That is not a good idea. Um, the medical, there are medical, you know, issues involved each person has their own medical uh, situation and you know for example consuming wheat you know if, you, if you're allergic to it it might not be something that you want to have in your diet um, or in your your food plan so definitely you want to talk to a medical doctor but you want to be the last but not least you want to be very suspicious of yourself you are going to want if you're like me you're going to want to put things that you enjoy in your food plan you have to ask yourself, you know, a, a, an athlete can eat you know, raw eggs. They don't eat them because they enjoy them. They eat them because it's going to have an effect in their physical body. At least they think it's going to. They eat stuff that tastes horrible so that they can get a good effect on their physical body, right? Do I have that? You know, have you ever wondered why, you know, why athletes can eat horrible food and they're in great shape, but people who are really heavy, they're very picky about what they eat? They're picky because they're eating for addictive purposes. They're doing it for pleasure, that's why they're they're overweight. That's why we are. So so we want to be very very suspicious about putting things we like on the food plan. We should try to use what other people say, either the sponsor or the doctor. In my case, I went to my medical doctor and I said, you know, "Do I need to have sugar in my diet? Is it medically necessary to have sugar in my diet?" Because my sponsor is saying, "Don't have any sugar at all." Turns out, there's absolutely no need to have sugar in my diet. And sugar for me is addictive, so I don't have sugar in there. Again. That's how we, how we decide what goes in the food plan. Here's an example. This is this is my food plan when I first started out, and I still use it today. So basically, I have 8 ounces of yogurt, 1 ounce of steel-cut oats, and 1 fruit. And it's got to be a small fruit, like a 6-ounce fruit. So uh, if, I, if I have berries or something, I just put 6 ounces in there. That's it for breakfast. I use steel-cut oats, not the regular oats, because uh, they don't spike my blood sugar as much. You can get a blood sugar tester to see what spikes your blood sugar. And then for lunch and dinner, I have the same thing. Uh, I have the same basic plan, uh, and I have the, you know six ounces of protein and six ounces of cooked veggies, uh, an eight-ounce salad, which is three ounces of leafy, and five ounces of raw veggies, and then a tablespoon of sesame oil. Some people have oil and vinegar. Uh, some people put actual dressing on there. I don't. I don't put dressing, but you know, like I said, each person's got to do their own. And then I do six ounces of rice or potatoes. I didn't. I didn't put rice or potatoes in my uh, food plan until after I had got down to my target weight. So um, so this is an example. Am I saying that you have to eat this food plan? No, obviously I'm not. It's just an example. But it should be something that, I, this is a food plan. I, I told my doctor, hey, this is what I want to eat. My, this is what my sponsor is telling me to eat. What do you think? And the doctor said, if you can eat that, that's fabulous. You know, you, you know that's just great. Uh, the sponsor said, yep, this is what I want to eat. So I, so I did that. I, I mean, I did not want that. I will tell you this, but I, when the sponsor told me that to eat this, I said, no, that's, I don't, I don't want to eat that. I want to eat, you know, what I like to eat. I was like, well, if you ate what you like to eat, then you know you'd be fat like you were before. So anyway, that's why I did this. 
One of the biggest problems in the food world that is not in the alcohol world, the drug world, is it is very difficult to get reliable information about food. Everyone's an expert. Everybody knows everything. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, what works for one person does not work for another person. Uh, there's a great book called Personalized Diet, which, which the, the scientists went and studied um, what actually spikes people's blood sugar. You know, it's definitely different for different people. You may have to experiment and um, to find your own, you know, your own magic formula. The, I have found that the scientific research is not as conflicting as the self-help books and the stuff on the Internet and stuff like that. Also, even just 12-steppers, people who are in these various 12-step programs give you all this advice. They don't know anything about the science. The 12-steppers know a lot about the spirituality. They know how to keep you motivated, which the scientists do not understand. They don't, they, they'll never tell you, here's how you stay motivated. All they'll tell you is which foods are the best. Well, the 12-step people can tell you how to stay motivated how to, and how to you know, keep accountability and, and all these other you know, spiritual things going on. But the scientific research, hey, sugar's not good for you. Duh, you know, if people will say, well, it's not going to hurt you. Well, you know what? It, it is going to hurt me. <laughs> um, the other thing is like uh, flour and these other things. You know, people, you know, I've, I've had people say, hey, listen, you know, Jesus said, uh, man, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, well, he also said, uh, you know, man cannot live on bread alone. You know, bread is not good for me. Flour is not good for me. I don't eat it. Am I telling everybody to not eat it? No, I'm just saying that, uh, that the science is in there. It says that you do not need to have bread to live. So that's actually the question that I ask myself. I don't ask myself the question, what can I get away with? I ask myself the question, what is definitely safe? And I just stick with things that are definitely safe. The diabetes code, I actually had my diabetes reversed. I had diabetes when I got into recovery, and then I, uh, it's gone away now. So, uh, so a lot of people have told me, though, that diabetes is chronic and it only gets worse. Well, you know what? It's not true. Not in my case. So definitely, you know, I suggest you take a look at the scientific facts and avoid scientific facts that are one size fits all. You know, if you test a whole bunch of people, you know, they, but if they all have different, um, different things going on in their bodies, you know, they may not get conclusive results. But you can test yourself scientifically. Just get a blood tester, eat some food, and test it and see what, you, what happens to your blood. If it spikes, avoid it. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, my beliefs about food changed over time. I expect them to continue to change. And so I'm suspicious of my beliefs. Um, I'm open to listen to what other people say, but I, I will always test my own, uh, whatever they say on my own body, just because it works, even if it worked for everybody, how do I know it's going to really be, really work for me? I will talk to my sponsor, talk to my doctor, and then I'll test it with my own like uh, scientific, you know, blood tester that you get in the, the local pharmacy and then see uh, what's the best. But um, I found that just sticking to that plain food plan is the safest one. And, you know, the other thing, too, is the goal is not necessarily what food you eat. The goal is this is this neutrality with respect to food. Um, so, you know, I suggest that you write down what it is you're, you're going to eat in the, during the day and monitor the results. See what happens. You know, how do you feel about it? What causes you to break? What's going on in your mind? This is going to uh, help you to develop this, this state of mind where you're no longer 
uh, secret or, or, or uh, sneaking food or hiding food. It's where you're getting straight about it, getting very honest and indifferent, indifferent about it. You know, just being factual about it. If somebody wanted to say, hey, listen, write down what water you drink, yeah, you write down the water because you're not addicted to water. But when it comes to food, because we're addicted to it, um, you know, it's going to be difficult to, to be honest with yourself. You're going to be resisting that. Another thing is a lot of people will be pushing food on you. Try this, try that, try the other thing. What I do is I put uh, put everything in boxes, in little like um, you know Tupperware boxes at the beginning of the day, and I eat that. This is to avoid the decision, right? We want to avoid the decisions during the day. We don't want on-the-fly decision-making. We want to decide early in the day when we're, our willpower is high, make sensible choices, plan it out, and then do what the plan is. It says, if we don't do what the plan says, we need to write down what it is that happened and why we didn't do it that way. So this is really important for, uh, for the food recovery that's probably not so important for some other uh, types of 12-step recovery because we have to, as they say, face the beast, the addictive mind, every day, three times a day. Although you might do it more than three times a day or less than three times a day depending on your sponsor and your doctor. But... Uh, we have to do that, whereas other people don't. But if we make this plan and we evaluate how we're performing against that plan, we can improve our thinking about uh, food and, and our actions about food and hopefully achieve this state of neutrality. I hope you enjoyed today's Taste of Recovery. The theme song of this non-commercial podcast is Teamwork by Scott Holmes. To suggest another topic for this program or to contribute your own experience, strength, and hope, send me an email at saginawgeorge at gmail.com or click on the Taste of Recovery link at foodaholics.net. Taste of Recovery. Oh, how sweet it is. <laughs>